welcome back to this season of the Breslin Breakdown. I'm your host, Allie Cohen, alongside the new women's basketball beat. I'm here with Joe Dez, Faith Flickinger, and Tim Marshall. We're bringing you all the news on this season's women's basketball team. Do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm Joe Dez, host of the Joe Dez Hour, producer uh, for the sports department at Impact Radio. Um, I'm Faith Flickinger. I'm on the women's basketball beat, and I previously covered football this year. Uh, I'm Tim Marshall, and uh, I go on Courtside Convo, the NBA podcast sometimes, and this is my first time covering women's basketball. All right, very nice. And like I said, I'm your host, Allie Cohen. This is my third season on the women's basketball beat. I'm a veteran over here. I've also covered a lot of other things for Impact, but women's basketball has been the main thing. I'm the sports broadcast assistant here at Impact. And all right, for this podcast, we like to get it going. We like to have some fun. Question of the day, nothing to do with anything. All right, so this question of the day has a little bit of stuff with the women's basketball beat. Faith, mm-hmm. we went to Taco Bell for the game. We did. What is everyone's go-to Taco Bell order? Faith, you want to start off? Um, well, on Wednesday night, I got a chicken quesadilla. I'm a big quesadilla fan. It honestly hit. I was so hungry after. I, like, devoured it while I was finishing my article. I got the article into AJ. Eating, like, garbage after, like, a long day of recording is, like, the best thing to do. 100%. <laughs> Anyone else have a go-to? You want me to take this? Yeah. Day? Yeah, I, I get pretty disgusted when I go to Taco Bell. It's pretty bad. The, the cheesy gordita crunches, I swap out the normal shell with, like, the nacho cheese. It's so good is the thing. Then I get, like, three soft tacos with that. Unless it gets dark at Taco Bell sometimes. Dark. Yeah, it gets real the dark. The after hours of the Joda's <laughs> hours. <Yeah. laughs> this is going to be controversial, but never been. Never really? Been never been. We'll have to do a Taco Bell trip. I, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Phases, big fan of the chicken quesadilla, like Faith. Also been into the cheesy gordita crunch lately though. But every single time I go to Taco Bell since high school, for literally no reason, I no matter what I get, I have to get a cheesy roll up with it, which is literally <laughs> nothing. And I think it costs a dollar, but I can't go to Taco Bell and not get it. Yeah, I've always <laughs> seen the cheesy roll up and wonder like who's ordering that. Now, now we figured it out. Nothing. It's <laughs> just cheese in a tortilla, isn't it's it? Literally cheese in a tortilla, like. I don't know. Ever since high school, like there's reasoning behind it that we don't need to get into right now. But <laughs> I will not go to Taco Bell without getting one. But that's just like the side. It's almost like an like a joke. Like I can't not get it anymore. <laughs> but it. all right, are you ready for some basketball? Yes. yes. All right. So we'll recap the past week. Michigan State had their ex- only exhibition game of the season home at Dav or home against Davenport. Michigan State defeated. Ni- Davenport, 99-46. The team was led by Captain Mo Joyner with 18 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 steals. 11 different Spartans touched the floor, and the defense forced 30 turnovers. Joe and I actually couldn't be in attendance for this because of the conference. Faith and Tim, do you guys want to say anything about it? What you guys thought? Um, obviously, it's not Davenport isn't on the same level as Michigan State, but it was a good uh, little glimpse into what the future will be with a Robin Freyla coach team. It's um, it was very high paced game. They pressed a lot, forced thirty tor- turnovers, as you said. Um, it's a very good play style. I feel it's very entertaining to watch, and everyone kind of shared a little bit. I think it was what, five people in double figures. It's it's a good start. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a defensive game for Michigan State, forcing the turnovers early in the game. 
Um, and we got to see a lot of the freshmen play as well and kind of see what they're about. We got to see, you know, the Freilich era tip off and, you know, see how she was coaching and would talk to the players. I mean, they seemed really excited after and were ready for the game. And I think that really helped them prepare for their season opener. It's funny talking about a defensive battle when they scored 99 points on them too. No, definitely. I mean, I thought they were going to hit triple digits. Like, I was shocked they didn't because, like, even at the end, they were still in the double digits going. Yeah, do you have anything you know you can't share? Uh, third turnover is just crazy from the defensive end. We yeah. saw the threes raining down in the last matchup versus Oakland, but the defense being shown in the exhibition is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then if everyone's done with that, we can move on to the first official game of the season this past Wednesday. Michigan State defeated Oakland at home for Robin Freilich's first official win. 87 to 62. The Spartans were led by Dee Hageman, the junior, who had a new career high of 23 points, along with four rebounds and five assists. 12 different Spartans saw the floor on this one, and there it was a bit of a slow start, four lead changes, but the Spartans definitely picked it up. Yeah, at the end of the first quarter, Michigan State only led 16 to 15. But then you look at the third quarter, 27 to six in that quarter. It really proved which team was the better team. Michigan State outscoring them by 21 points in that quarter. You don't see that too often. I mean, this was a very physical game in the first half between Oakland and Michigan State. There was some tension. I mean, Dee Dee got a technical, but then she came back in and just started scoring on them. And I think once they kind of regrouped and got their emotions in check, that's when you really saw Michigan State playing to the ability they could. Yeah, it seemed like the technical might have helped them, honestly. Dee Dee kind of hyped up her team with that, was making sure that none of her teammates were getting bullied by the other team, brought them closer a little bit. No, definitely. I think that kind of brought them together. In post game, she was... She was like, I didn't mean any harm. She was like, I just didn't want to see my teammates disrespected. It, was, it wasn't it was anything malicious. But mm-hmm. in that first quarter, it was kind of like, a, are we doing this again after uh, Monday night's men's basketball uh, game? It was close early, and it was just it, – it, it didn't look that good. They were a little sloppy. They committed a couple turnovers. But as Joe said, that third quarter, they really just pulled away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe and I on air on the broadcast – we definitely talked about the aggression that we saw from, honestly, both teams, both SC Michigan State, and it was nice to see. I liked seeing the team towards the end of last year. Obviously, they had some issues. They lost their head coach due to other circumstances. They were a little bit just messed up from that, I think. They they were losing a lot of games. Last season, Michigan State dropped 10 games by less or by 10 points or less. They had a lot of close fights, but that definitely affects you as a team, and I think that it was nice seeing them have some passion back. And we'll see that. Dee Dee Hagelin looked amazing. She looked so improved. She's always been a team leader. Freshman year, she was the backup guard up behind Mia Cowden, who's obviously in the WNBA now. Last season, she got her first official uh, spot as the starter and the main point guard. I think she really showed up, and she's going to be a beast for this team. Any other standout players for you guys? Yeah, I want to talk about Hageman a tiny bit more. She she obviously knows how to play and make yeah. five assists in this game as well as the 23 points for a career high. She's just a dog out there. It's crazy to see. You can see her getting so hyped up. There was a point where Theron Halleck kind of lifted her up off the ground after she was falling during a layup, I believe, stood right up and hit the three in the defender's face. It was an amazing sequence. Yeah. And then five assists, like obviously that's a lot, but for her that isn't a lot. Like So she's just getting started along with adding in the scoring column. Last season, Dee Dee Hageman was the sixth leading assist or the six assist leader in the Big Ten. She was the number two player in the Big Ten that had 
or in a assist turnover ratio. Like she is just great on both ends of the floor. We saw some really strong defense from her also. Yeah, full floor general. And another player I want to touch on is Julia Aralt. Five blocks, and then Michigan State twenty-one second chance points. They were dominating in the paint. Mm-hmm. Julia Aralt, fifth year. She doesn't put up the most points, but the way that she works the floor on the defensive end, five blocks. She just and she was getting the rebounds. She was doing all the right things. Yeah, did exactly what the team needed her to do. Locked down the paint, kind of set up the team for success on the other side, on the inside. Can't really ask for much more. Yeah, and uh, Abby Kimball, she was the second leading scorer, 13 points. But the most impressive thing about her stat line was she was a plus 38. That's, like, unheard of. I know they won by almost 30, but or 35, but thir- a plus 38 is a crazy stat line to have. I wouldn't say, and then she would have had, she already had three of six threes. She would have had probably one or two more before a whistle got blown yeah. as on the floor foul. total loss I think that speaks for itself right there yeah like uh, we discussed this last year when they finalized her hire but I don't care what division you are who you're playing 104 to 3 is crazy yeah it ended up being the highest winning percentage in any any NCAA division yeah, I'm very excited for her to be here. I think she's taking the team in a better direction. Just watching how the players interact with each other on the floor and their communication just looks great, honestly. Like, they're able to turn around games, which is positive for looking towards the season. Yeah, she coaches in a way where her team, it needs to be an all-together team. They need to be communicating on defense with the way they play so aggressively. And if you're playing aggressive defense, sometimes um, some of them are going to get in foul trouble meaning others will have to step up off the bench and give some quality minutes sometimes yeah the team looks very cohesive I would say it looks more cohesive than it did last year obviously I only saw them in the one game against Oakland so we'll have to see as the season goes on but they looked very smooth and I really liked what I was seeing there and then obviously she's a great coach players seem to like her junior Jocelyn Tate who started against Davenport she came from Bowling Green obviously wanted to follow her head coach she thinks it's worth it. Freshman Mary Meng was flipped. She was originally committed. Where was she committed to? She was at Bowling Green, sure. too, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I don't know my assets. She was committed to Bowling Green and uh, <laughs> uh, followed fairly to Michigan State. I think that with um, just with the resources that Michigan State can offer her, we're definitely going to see a lot of positive change. Yeah, Mary Meng, when she got minutes, she seemed like she was doing pretty good, was able to get the putbacks. Back-to-back-to-back layups, literally in just three possessions that she had the ball. Yeah, okay, I found the stat. Yeah, three of four, six points. Yeah. She she was doing amazing out there. One rebound I'm kind of shocked by. It seemed like she was crashing the boards a few times, but she was at least smacking the ball out and giving a second-chance opportunity for her teammates, even though she only got one board herself. So I think Mary Meng's got to be huge down low. Mm-hmm. And then, all right. So back 
to Michigan State aside from Robin Fralick. Last season, Michigan State finished 16-14, and 7-10 and 10 in the Big Ten, and finished 9th in the Big Ten. They're obviously losing... Well, they're losing the top two scorers, which was Kamara McDaniel, who graduated, and Matilda Ag, who transferred to Virginia Tech. Also losing Kyra Park, who is now at Ohio State as a grad transfer. But K-Mac and Eck were the top two scorers for the team. But there's gonna, there's a lot of impact players who return and that are still here. This team is definitely being led more by the upperclassmen now. There's a lot of juniors and older fifth years even in the lineup. Yeah, I think overall, Kamaria departing obviously was sad for the team. She was a major leader in the locker room. She helped coach up a lot of the younger players, but she also was shooting under 40% for the year, and that a lot of her teammates would kind of give her the ball in moments where they didn't feel comfortable with it. Now Dee Dee Hagman's forced to take those shots. Other players on the team are forced to take those shots and be the one who steps up. I think having Kamaria out was more of cutting the safety net overall, but Matilda Eck leaving, that one that was real hurt. sad. Yeah, that one was sad to see. She was a baller, would sink multiple threes in a row, would get everybody hyped up inside the Breslin. I think her departure would hurt the team the most overall. I definitely agree with that one. Yeah, I mean, if you look uh, last year, ninth in the Big Ten, and they they don't have the most talent in the Big Ten, but back to the way they play, if they're playing good defense, they can sneak up on some teams, and just their defense alone will elevate them, their floor as a team, and they'll hopefully – Maybe mess around and try to get a uh, March Madness bid. <laughs> uh, the past two seasons, they have not gotten that March Madness bid, and they've declined their invitation to the WNIT. So hopefully, Rob, with Robin Fralick leading them, they can make it back to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, first, I thought their first real test wouldn't be until they play against Penn State in December, like December mm-hmm. 30th. Starting to think now, everyone's been seeing James Madison every single sport. Yeah. Their soccer team takes down the number one team in the nation. Their basketball team takes down the number four team, us, or Michigan State, in basketball. It shouldn't be yeah. happening. Their we, football we, team's undefeated. Their yeah. football team's it's, undefeated. Everyone at JMU. Yeah, What's not, going on over there? Yeah, so November Open 23rd. investigation. I know, yeah. Cancun Thanksgiving. Challenge. Yeah, <laughs> on Thanksgiving might be the first test at the Cancun Challenge. Sally, we don't get to travel there, but... I know, disappointing. Yeah, travel um, request. If you want to skip over that, I mean, we what well, we had the impact players returning, which we kind of already discussed. So along with ones we haven't, no one's brought up Mo Joyner, one of my personal favorites. He is great on both ends of the court. Plays strong defense, but knows how to put up the shots when it's needed. Obviously, Jocelyn Tay we didn't really discuss much, but she junior transfer from Bowling Green, Isley Alexander. On the defensive end, she was the team's big man. I don't know if it's should we say that for women's basketball? Probably not. Big person, I believe. Maybe <laughs> if we have to say now, I'm not but, quite sure. Yeah, like she's the the team's big person now that Tyre Parks is gone. Or just center. Yeah. <laughs> center, center <laughs> yeah, my work. Just center. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot of people. Gabby Elliott, Tori Osmond. There's just a lot of people. So I think that this team, with the experience they had last year and some of the more negative experiences. That should push them to keep going. Yeah, how about that sequence at the end when it was just Dee handing it off to Mo, sinking a three? That happened like two or three times in a row. It went just Hageman over to Joyner for three, and every time went in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally no other words. But hopefully we see a lot more of that. And then now if we move into the, ske- the non-conference schedule that Joe already brought up, I put down it's relatively easy. It's mostly at home. The only ranked team is number 22 Creighton at the Cancun Challenge, which is the 24th, so the day after Michigan State plays JMU, which who knows what will happen now, because JMU is just taking everybody down. Apparently. 
Yeah, but they have a lot of smaller schools for that non-conference schedule. As we get into Big Ten play, they play, I think it's pretty favorable. They only play Nebraska Penn, at Penn State, at Iowa, Maryland, Northwestern, at Indiana, uh, Illinois, and Wisconsin once. So eight out of 14 of the Big Ten teams, they only play once. Considering that the only ranked Big Ten team they play twice is number seven Ohio State, I think that's pretty favorable. Because we have number three Iowa, number fourteen Maryland, number nine Indiana, number three Illinois. Yeah, they they definitely pulled the best draw they could in that entire situation. In fact, they're not playing Iowa more than once is going to be huge. Not having to go against Caitlin Clark, we all saw what she just did. Yeah, yeah, definitely upset. If we it don't was a home game, if it was only one game, but if it was at home, that would be a lot better. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> Last season when Iowa came, the Breslin was full. I have never, the only other time I saw it full for a women's basketball game was that was against Michigan. It was crazy. And we were like, oh, Caitlin Clark had such a bad game today. She still had 29 points. <laughs> That's her bad. That was her bad. She's she's a beast. It, yeah, so I'm, I'm, from personally, I'm upset that we don't play them twice, but for the team, it's great. Yeah, I think for their season, it will be better, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and then out of those four ranked teams, two of them are at home, two of them are away. So I definitely think they got a good draw. Does anyone – it's super early. It's fine if no one doesn't or if you need a minute to look at the schedule. Does anyone have a season prediction? Uh, possibly when – no, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Let me let me check real quick. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> and like I said, last season, Michigan State dropped – 10 games, almost all of them were Big Ten games, by 10 points or less. Yeah, well, they should be going into that Creighton matchup 4-0, hypothetically, or hopefully 5-0 against James Madison, too. So hopefully they should be doing that. We're going to see with James Madison. But going against Creighton, that's going to be the first real test. And the fact that they're playing kind of a weak schedule, there's two ways it could go. It's either they get warmed up enough that actually helps them, or they cool down so much that they're expecting lower level of competition, and then Creighton's just going to blow their socks off. So... I think that's the first real loss we could see. After that, DePaul, Miami, Ohio, I don't see them losing on them. Nebraska could be a tough challenge. T- Central Michigan, I don't see the Chippewas winning that one. Richmond, they're not going to win the Cherokee Invitational. And then it really is no strong test until Iowa. I think we can take down Penn State. The women's team can take down Penn State. So I think it all leads up to that Iowa game and see how the momentum's going. Yeah, I agree. I feel like once they get into conference play, that's when they're going to have to really start to, like, be consistent, not missing important plays, keeping their defense up. I think if they can get the defense that they had the past two games, I think that will help them when they have to play in conference play. And especially even against Creighton, I think defense is something they have to stick with and force those turnovers. Yeah, and if you can take advantage of this easier schedule to begin with, um, then you really only have to go about 500 in Big Ten play, and that should be enough to get in uh, the tournament. And I think that that's probably the first goal of the the team this year is it's been two years. Let's let's try to get a bid this year. For sure. I think that going into Big Ten play, they really should be at worst five and one. I think that Creighton is possible though. I do see a lot of changes between this year and last year. A lot of the returners are or a lot of people have returned. The team is led by older people now. Because even last year, even with Eck there, Eck and Hagerman were both sophomores. And they, and um, Esme and Alexander, sophomore, there really wasn't as much of that older leadership besides Mo Joyner and Julia Ayrault, who didn't play as much last year due to some injuries. 
So I do think that there's a big transition between this year and last year, even just in terms of leadership. And when we've talked to Robin Freilich before, she talks a lot about the team bonding and aspects of getting them together. I think that that part of the – or that aspect of the game has a lot – obviously the off-the-court matters a lot too. So I really think that they can handle it. The defense, as long as they keep a, the strong defense, they really – should not have a test until maybe at Penn State, but definitely that Iowa game. Yeah, Penn State's definitely a maybe. That one could be real tough because they are one of the tougher teams out of the unranked ones that we talked about. But Iowa is going to be a tough one to go against. That one's just Caitlin Clark's coming out there. She's got to be on the main stage. It, it's This game's on Peacock. Yeah, it's got to be on Peacock. I, I can't see her not giving a big showing on Peacock there as well. I I just feel like that's going to be a... 10-plus game that has more of a national audience. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if I were to guess, that one's probably going to be a loss on the schedule. But I, yeah. we could see it. We could. That's a tough three-game stretch uh, to start the year if you go three Iowa, 14 Maryland, and then uh, seven Ohio State. And with two of those on the road, those first two weeks are going to be key. to Because if you go, drop all three of those, then you're kind of reeling for easier games like Northwestern and Minnesota. So you kind of need to build a little bit of momentum going into yeah, those I ones. I definitely think that it's possible it takes down at least one of those, obviously, Maryland is the one that's ranked the lowest. So and at home. I think that's a big. Yeah, that yeah. one definitely, obviously, we're not talking about must-wins yet. But <laughs> in that stretch, they definitely need to win one. I'm going to say that game. But last season, I keep going back to that. They dropped 10 games by 10 points or less. Some of those were 5 points or less. They really struggled at the free-throw line. Like, they were – they. I had it in my notes for the game on Wednesday. They were pos- I believe they were dead last in the Big Ten in free throw shooting. That just can't happen again. No, you're getting free points at the line. You have yeah. to take advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it happens for everyone. We saw Michigan State do it on Monday night. It's That is an issue for no matter what team. If you can't make the free throws, you're not going to win games. And last season happened so much. So as long as they fix that up, I definitely think that they should pick up some more games and they can get some of those ranked teams. Because a lot of those 10 games were ranked. Yeah, well, one thing, too, is they were dealing with an interim coach for much of last year. Yeah, for sure. That also is definitely makes a difference. Yeah, and the fact that they got a bunch of games within 10 points and they dropped it, that's just – that happens when you have an interim coach. We saw it with the football team this year. Mm-hmm. So many times – Rutgers. Look at the Rutgers game. If, if we had a full-time head coach, I assume we win that one mm-hmm. or that football team wins that one. I mean, even Iowa last season. Iowa at home. It was at home, but Dean Lafford was already the interim head coach at that point. We, or Michigan State sent Iowa into overtime. And they dropped in overtime. So these games were close. And they were ranked teams. They were close games. The team that eventually lost in the national championship. That like yeah. that's a big test. Then they almost they almost beat them, which is pretty insane. But they also did finish regular season play five and one. They kind of finished the season strong. Yeah. Hopefully that's also something that can lead into this year where they just have more momentum coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about the team that won the championship last year? LSU getting blown out by the Buffaloes, yeah, Colorado. That was shocking. Colorado is just pulling out upsets in the beginning of their seasons across yeah. their sports. <laughs> Them and JMU have something going on on campus. They not know quite something sure. we don't. Uh, LSU, I, they have the super team, though, this year. With oh, I know, yeah. Angel Reese and Haley Van Lith. That's They'll be exciting to watch. Okay, instead of, like, a guessing or a season prediction, what about, like, a game that everyone's looking forward to the most or, like, that they think that Michigan State can pull out? Obviously, it's super early, and we'll get a lot more into this during Big Ten play. Yeah, I think we got to put the Iowa game out of contention here because I feel like all of us want to say the Iowa game is going to be the most exciting one. But if I'm looking at the rest of the well, – what's crazy because Creighton's one of the first tests, that one might be really exciting. But I think uh, probably 
at home versus Michigan is always going to be pretty good. It's pretty hard to beat an at home versus oh, Michigan game. Yeah. 21st birthday. <laughs> at home versus Michigan. <laughs> I love that. That's what we Very exciting, yeah. Anyone else have one? Uh, I'll go with uh, Super Bowl Sunday. They're playing Ohio State at 4 o'clock. So it's a little pre, um, pre-game for the Super Bowl is Ohio State. It's seventh ranked in the country, 4 o'clock. So it'll just just finish, and then we'll all have to rush back to mm-hmm. catch the Super Bowl. That's happened like last year's Super Bowl game, where it went to double over. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's going to bother me because I forgot what team we were playing, but it did, in fact, go into double overtime. Honestly, we're both on day. Love that. Yeah. I think I'm looking forward to the Michigan games just because of the rivalry. I mean, I think it might really pull something out of this team. Like, I think this team's really hungry for these wins and, like, they want to do better and they want to prove themselves. I think they're really excited about the new coach, mm-hmm. Freilich. And I know Freilich is ready to make her mark and show that she means business and she's ready. And I think the Michigan games will be really interesting. I think the one at home will be pretty full. Yeah, I think so too. That is always a fun one. For me, I'm going to say the Indiana game. Last season, Michigan State beat Indiana, and that was the only ranked team they beat the whole season. So it'll be very interesting to see if they can do it again. That was also a very fun game, a really down to the wire. But Michigan (laughs) State pulled it out. So I think it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Overall, though, for the season, I think that they can definitely get more of the ranked teams and just they have more of a base to beat them this year. Do you think March Madness is a real opportunity for this team? You think it's a real chance? Obviously, we haven't seen anything really right yeah. now. Since the opening it's back very before, early. But we really haven't seen anything. But, because even last year, if they won like two more of those games, two more of those games, ten points or less, they could have made the tournament. So I think that they were right on the bubble. So I do, depending how it goes, obviously we haven't seen any of the Big Ten play, but if it goes as I'm expecting it to, which is better than last season, I think that this could be their year to make it back in the tournament. Yeah, in theory, it doesn't make any sense why they can't. The fact they got that close with an interim coach with so many problems around the season with players hurt, they should, on paper, make it. I think that will make a huge difference. There's a lot more experience. All right, we're getting to our last segment, if everyone's done with that. Game preview. (laughs) For Sunday, Michigan State versus Wright State. Last season, Wright State went eight and twenty-four, six and fourteen in the Horizon League. They lost their home opener, sixty-seven to sixty-three, at Southern Indiana last Monday night. Um, they beat Pippin, which is a D two university, but they had an exhibition versus them, and they beat them eighty to forty-three in their exhibition game. I don't think anyone has like looked at the Wright State stuff yet. Have you done any stuff yet, Joe? I haven't, so you're allowed to say no. Yeah, we're starting the prep tonight, probably. Uh, yeah. Um, But does anyone have anything to watch for from MSU? Anything they want to see? Obviously, we haven't done our prep yet for Wright State, but if we go on their website right now, we can see anything. Just any comments about that one. Yeah, I want to see who's going to step up as the main second scorer, and if Hageman's going to fully take over the role as the number one scorer, or whether she's going to relegate herself back to more of a playmaking point guard role. I think seeing the evolution of Didi is going to be huge this season. Abby Kimball can step up, be a number one, number two scorer some nights. Hageman can sit back, start feeding off to Julia Aral, Mo Joyner. I want to know if someone's going to separate themselves or whether we're going to be looking at a 12-person attack every single night. Mm-hmm. Faith, anything from you? Um. 
Yeah, I think I agree. It'll be interesting to see if there's, you know, if Didi starts to kind of become that like star player, I guess you could say. I think she really came out and I think a lot of it came from the energy she was feeding off from her teammates. I mean, she was smiling the entire game. Like you could tell she was like in her element. But I think definitely, like you said, Abby Kimball is someone to also work look out for Mo Joyner. I mean, she led in the exhibition game. I think once she starts hitting her threes, like she's gone. Yeah, the one thing I uh, see for, for this Wright State game, uh, I want to see them play a full 40 minutes. That's what uh, Coach Freilich said. She wasn't too happy about in the first game in the exhibition, even though they scored 99 points. She felt like they kind of let up in the fourth a little bit. And then in the first regular season game, obviously, first quarter was a little bit of a struggle. And they got outscored by eight in the third, or in the fourth, excuse me. So those, just a full 40 minutes of, because this is a inferior team, so kind of full 40 minutes of just controlling the entire entirety of the game, I think that could be a key. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about the fact they got outscored by eight because of that 27-6 to six quarter. Yeah. It, it didn't matter at all in yeah. the end, but still, that's not how you want to end a game. No. Yeah, last year that was also a very big issue, playing a full 40 minutes. Susie Merchant and Dean Lockwood, both coaches, mentioned it all throughout the season. That's definitely an issue. I don't know if it's a fitness thing, a health thing, or just like the passion, but something that's very important. That's another thing that gives up those games. No one mentioned her yet, but I would, or at least missed that part, but I'm definitely <laughs> curious to see what Abby Kimball does. She got her first official start, or her first start against Davenport, her first official start against um, Oakland. She was in the Davenport game, she was the second leading scorer with 16 points. She had 13 points against Oakland. I would definitely like to see if she can keep it up. <laughs> Allie, I h- hate to put you on blast here. Me and, me and Faith both brought up Abby Kimball. <laughs> no, I do think Abby no Kimball's gonna be a bit. <laughs> no, you've been doing a great job hosting so far, Ali. Don't worry. It's first episode. Don't worry, we got this. <laughs> I believe you. You got to push so many buttons back there too, Ali. You're, you're doing a lot right now. Don't worry. All right. Um, but so now I'm embarrassed. But yeah, I'm definitely curious about her. I'm just, yeah. Well, what do you, how do you think about, I, I want to know your opinion on Halleck's no-look passes at a few points, because there are some points where she was staring down someone, did not need to make a no-look pass, and then turn the head just to get the highlight reel. Do you think it brings excitement to the team? Because I was pretty hyped up watching it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, there were some moments in that game, Joe, that we looked at each other and we were like, just like, what? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I got pretty excited during that game, so did I. I think that... I don't know. I think the team's getting a little fancy. It's not always necessary, but I think that in the exhibition games, they can handle it. Yeah, right now, at least it. show up for the crowd a yeah. little bit, give them some theatrics. Yeah. Don't know if it's always necessary because those aren't always going to work. Joe was, yeah, Joe was also very excited that they scored at least 75 points so oh, he could get his uh, BOGO. <laughs> yeah. You all know the worst. I didn't redeem either ah, of those. That was yeah, purely for the radio fandom. Yeah. Even uh, it's it was in like, the beginning of yeah, the like game. Yeah, like 20 minutes before the game. Yeah, yeah it's like super. <laughs> Obviously, they show the IHOP a lot. They show IHOP. They, 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 show they IHOP. don't they do the Buffalo Wild Wings. Well, I literally didn't hear the Buffalo Wild Wings, and then you talked about it, and I was like, I'm going to take Joe's word. <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm not lying about this one, yeah. I don't know. I was like, I'm definitely going to take And then they said something at the end of the game over the speaker, yeah. what we were packing up. And I, I heard the end. It, but I heard B-dubs, and I was like... <laughs> So obviously Joe is right. I just wasn't aware of this. I, I might start just lying about things on air so that I can yeah, get free stuff. Um, yeah, they said if they score 50 points in this entire game, I get free courtside tickets to the Pistons. I'm pretty hyped up about this. Yeah. They'll believe me. literally said that we should start doing that for 
Yeah, just every <laughs> food. Hey, we said it on air. You yeah. Redeem it. So yeah, we gave you the promotion. I, I think we might want to start we doing might. this. Yeah. We should do a Canes combo. Canes combo could be the move, yeah. Ohio State Athletics is sponsored by Canes. We should be sponsored by We got to find a way to get that sponsorship yeah. link. Or, Im- or just Impact. We get our own sponsorship. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Get yeah. sponsored by Shout them out sometimes. We get as much free cans as we want. Exactly. It'd be pretty great. Exactly. All right. So, are everyone done? Yeah. Are we done with our first episode of the Bresden Breakdown? I've got everything I need to get off, so we're good. Yep. We gotta wrap it up before. Wrap it up before JDC and Matt shows up and tries to crash the party. They're missing out. So you guys can be sure to follow along on Sunday afternoon to hear Joe Des and I on the call at 2 p.m. Tell your friends about the podcast. You can find Fresno Breakdown on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Impact89FM.org/sports, or anywhere else you can get podcasts. And see you guys next week.